Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. It is a not so serious Sunday on the BNA <laughs> podcast. Brandon and Evan. Um, yeah, so uh, we're going to probably do a shorter one today. So uh, for those of you listening, we usually do 90 minutes, but today we're going to do about 45. Yep. We're going to keep it tight. We're going to keep it lean. We don't know what we're going to talk about. Lean, talking machine. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have a specific topic on this one, but uh, you know, that's all right. We usually figure it out. Yeah. This won't take so long to figure it out, I don't think. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Hey, you know maybe what, Evan? Well. It's kind of interesting. This is the first, a short podcast episode. Yes. I mean, everything's been like pretty much at least 80 minutes to two hours. Yeah. So and sometimes a little longer than two hours. Yeah. I don't really like to go longer than two hours. Even two hours, I'm like, oof. You know, yeah. not that I don't think we've gotten into some good stuff in those longer ones, especially when we've had guests on and it goes for that time. Yeah. But, uh, but, um, yeah, I like to try and keep it a little bit, you know, <laughs> a little bit tighter for everybody. But the thing is, is that we're not necessarily always thinking about time. It's just however the conversation flows, however long it goes. And yeah. it just tends to usually be like an hour and a half ish. I find, I, I mean, I've, I've heard people kind of like our audience tends to like the longer, the longer podcast. Cause it's just the style in which this podcast mm. is. And so you listen, you, you know, you listen for a longer one, but it's kind of fun to try doing something a little bit different. And like, maybe this episode might be something where it's like, Hey, you know, it's a smaller commitment. You can listen to this one, see if you like the show. Oh if you yeah. Do, I didn't then maybe, think about uh, it in that practical sense of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe listen to a longer yeah. one after. I remember I, somebody had left a comment one time. Cause, um, we, every now and then we live stream, uh, we do a video live stream of the podcasts. We're not doing that today, but we did one with a guest one time and this person left a comment and it wasn't, it wasn't mentioned on the show because we don't talk about the live stream, you know, and what might be happening there while we're recording. But, uh, I saw somebody had left a post that was something like, uh, was like, how long is this? How long is this podcast going to go for? It's just like anything long, like podcasts, like any podcasts over like 20 minutes or, are, are, are garbage or something like that. <laughs> and I'm just like, like, yeah, that's, that's, a, uh, that's true. Like, <laughs> like, like as if this is a fact of life, it's just like, nope, podcasts that go over 20 minutes in length are shit. They're mm. garbage. It's like, well, tell that to Joe Rogan. Yeah. Three hour podcast. Three, like, yeah, like three hour plus podcasts. Like, yeah. holy shit. No, those are long. Um, and so many of my, of, of my favorite podcasts go well over an hour at least. Yeah. Most right? of mine, most of mine go over an hour. Yeah. Um, you know what I find too, is like some of these shorter podcasts, they, they have a, they, they're good in the sense that, um, they're really, they often are very much on point. We have certain things, well, not all of them, but certain things we're going to get done. We're going to do this. This is what you need to hear today. This is the point. Yeah. And you get it. But I think there's a, you know, there's an efficiency to that. 
But what happens is when you get to, to the point, you actually miss the little fine details and the discussion and the discovery part of the information. And I think that, um, and we're all about that discovery and detail thing. So, you know, so I think the longer conversations are good for that respect is because we're, we're going through the process of certain topics and not just kind of giving the points. And I think like, you know, when it comes to like a book or something, books are really good at like giving you the points and maybe, uh, you know, maybe certain podcasts that are short, I'm not comparing, I'm not saying one's better than the other, but I think it depends what you want. Yeah. And you know, one, one thing I found though is information is an interesting thing because you, you do need time to process things. And there's a lot of like, you know, when you get information very briefly, I think you get kind of, I want to call it like the cliche of the information, you know? Yeah. Like for example, someone will say like, um, you know, uh, the trick to being motivated is to know what you need to do in the morning before you go to sleep that night. So do that, write down what you need to do tomorrow, go to sleep and get up with that in mind. Well, that's great. I mean, yes, that's probably true. There's some truth to that, but that is the point maybe. But the whole thing about like, okay, well, you know, there's all this stuff around that. There's all this inductive part of that little bit of wisdom. And so I think what ends up happening is people have these cliche ideas about what's valuable. Yeah. And they don't really have the, they, they, they're not going through the process of that. Well, it's idea. like, it's like the cliff notes of something, right. Yeah. You know, or, um, yeah, like it's like, you know, and I knew people who used to do that, like in school, you know, they would go and they'd read the cliff notes on a book that, you know, it's like, yeah, okay. You're getting all of like the important plot points and maybe like someone's explained all the thematic elements of it, but it's like, you didn't read the book. Like you, you missed out like, and also that's kind of part of the crazy thing to me is that it's like, Oh, you just, you know, you make it all about the information. It's like you, you miss, I mean, especially if, if it's something like a novel or something like I knew somebody who had, um, I was in a class and we were reading all quiet on the Western front, a classic piece of literature. And someone had just done like the cliff notes on it. Right. And they didn't really read the book. I mean, I'd read that whole book through and it was, it was in, like, it was a kind of a, a life changing book for me mm-hmm. in that it was, there was, it was, there was so much poetry. There was so much emotion there's, and that's what you miss. If right. you're just reading the cliff notes, like you're not getting the whole thing. You're not, you're like, yeah, you might understand the concepts that are being presented. It's like, Oh, okay. I get it. You know, but you don't have, you haven't touched upon the experience of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, um, a little bit like what you're exactly getting, I was, getting that's into what here. I was going to say, the experience of it, the experience of it, because that's, and we, we kind of talked about this and I don't even remember which one it was, but it was a recent podcast. Uh, and it was from another book that I had read and it, presented an interesting concept that I never really thought about before, but I was like, that is so true, which was essentially that like it real true learning and real true wisdom comes through experience of something because wisdom is only wisdom when you've 
truly learned it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point that the author or the character speaking or the author speaking through this character in the book, um, which is Siddhartha by, um, Herman Hess or Hesse. I don't know how you pronounce his last name, but, um, yeah. basically this character is saying to this other person that it's like, I can tell you as best I can the things that I've learned. And this is after this character has reached kind of like a place of enlightenment. And, but what he tells this person, he's like, now I'm, I can say all of these things to you, but when the wisdom, when, when the wisdom now departs my mouth, essentially when it becomes, when I turn it into words to communicate to you, the wisdom becomes knowledge. Right. Like, it's just like, I can't, I can't say wisdom to you. I mean, you can speak wisdom, but it's only going to be knowledge until the person really learns it for themselves. Right. So, you know, you have to, you have to find knowledge within, and we actually did a bit of a podcast on them. I don't remember which one yeah. we we're talking about how knowledge needs to be kind of taken in and processed mm. with that experiential element for you to actually grasp what the knowledge actually is. And, um, you know, I was talking with a friend and so she's a, she's a scientist and she was saying that, you know, when she tells a story, if someone asks her something, she's very point by point by point. And she was saying that she really likes the, the way I answer questions because she's like, you're a storyteller. Like you give so much context to it. Like you, you fill in elements and yeah she, she was saying like, I love context and I like the way you explain it because I really feel like I get it. And and she finds that, you know, she doesn't necessarily do that so much herself, but I mean, um, yeah. but she likes the context and the story element to it. And, and I, and we were, we were just talking about it and I was yeah. saying, I guess that's natural for me because I'm so involved in story all the time that I'm always kind of, well, you know, maybe this is something that's really actually really part of what makes art tick. Hmm because art is very much an emotional engagement and, but it's also communicating ideas. And perhaps it's that whole thing of emotion is a great is because it really isn't. Cause now I'm thinking about it in life. So much of the time when we learn, when we truly gain wisdom and learn something, it's through something emotional, right? So as artists, we try to engage people emotionally in an idea. And then they get it. Right. Because you're like, Oh, I felt that like, and I really learned something from that because there's maybe a deepening of it as opposed to just saying like, again, like the cliff notes, right? I was like, as opposed to giving me the cliff notes, it's like, okay, I guess so. But you know, no, you go on a whole journey, you go on a whole ride with it and you feel things and you suddenly like these things have, have context. You've had an experience of it on some level right? I think you need a little bit of context to, um, emotionally experience something, you know, and, um, there I've seen people tell an emotional story and it have it be broken down as like a very event based practical thing. And, um, you know, how the way you're telling the story isn't really the story that happened. And it's kind of good that you're not telling the story because really the story you're telling isn't actually helping you. It's holding you as a victim, say in this event. Right. So you can retell the story just based on events 
And as opposed to all the emotional stuff coming and you can free yourself from the story you've created that's been disempowering. And, you know, essentially you redesign a story that's a little bit more empowering about the whole, the whole dynamic, right? So I think, I don't think story is always good or always bad. Mm -hmm. I think what it does is it's part of our life experience. Here's the thing. We had a podcast on depression. I, you know, I shared a bit about my experience of depression and, and some of the difficulties I went through in that, in that period. And what I found during that time was that I started to question everything. I was questioning, what's the point? Why do this? Why? Whatever. And maybe everything's just chaos and maybe nothing means anything. And still today I'm like, maybe that is how it goes. But what I found was that we can't as human beings actually function with just chaos theory. We will tell a story, even if we tell a story about chaos theory, we can't get out of it. The story will always come about. And the reason why is we're emotional beings and we look for meaning everywhere. And without meaning, it becomes a bleak existence. And so if you're going to look for meaning, and even if you're going to make it up anyway, you're going to make up your expression and and emotional experience of it anyway, you might as well tell a great story. You Mm -hmm. might as well tell a, and and not by great, I mean, not like a lie or an enhancement, but like an empowering story, something that teach that, that goes, this is the wisdom I learned. This is what I gained from this. How I'm dealing with that you know, um, as opposed to disempowering stories, which was like, isn't life rough? Why does this always happen to me? And all of that, you know, the world's out to get me. People are out to get me. That's it. Those are not stories you want to tell, but either way, we're going to have to tell stories. And I would dare anybody listening to this to try to give me an example where they don't actually tell a story about their life, where they are someone who says I can do my whole life without any story. And somewhere in there, there's a story. Yeah. There's always well, a is. story. It's just like, it's, it's like, yeah, somebody who can tell something like that happened to them over the course of the day. And, and if somebody just gives you like a point where like this happened, this happened, then this happened, and then this happened. And you just go, <laughs> you should see his face. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's like, okay. All right cool. Like, and based on what they might've told you, you might, the thing is, is that if somebody even did that to you, based on the events that they told you, you might, would, you would probably start for yourself, start to go, Oh, what was that like? Or something like, if there's like, because the thing is that like, there's the stuff that happened, which is kind of, that can be interesting, but the person who's experiencing it is the, why we give a shit. Yes right? It's the person's point of view. Why we give a shit. That's why we have like, you know, a character. It's like, it's great to have a good story and a great plot in a story, but the character is why we give a fuck about this stuff even happening. Exactly. Right. And that's the emotional connection to everything. Exactly. It's the character. And the thing is, is that we in some way or another, um, see ourselves as a character in our story. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, uh, you know, we talk a little bit about the ego too on this show and how that plays a part. And, and I've, I've made my peace with the ego to some degree in that I've recognized that the ego is kind of like, it helps me see that I am a one being that's separate from the couch I'm sitting on or the 
chair or the table or the drink I'm having that I am and I have a name and I do life a certain way and you do life a certain way. And I can see that we might, that you are Brandon. (laughs) Yes. And you are Evan. And, And the thing is, is my ego to some degree helps separate me and, and give me some type of ownership and claim over my experience of life mm-hmm. and recognize that your experience of life might be different than my experience. And that you may have wisdoms that I don't have. And I may have wisdoms that you do not have. And that doesn't make us better or worse or anything. It just makes us have gone through life in a certain way. And so the ego in that respect is really great because it creates a certain separation. It's like maybe everything now, I, I know this is a little crazy corner. Maybe everything is one. Maybe everything is super interconnected and connected. And we're all really just the same energy force yeah. and all of that stuff. Right. But the ego gives us a certain experience of individualism mm. beyond that. When we over identify with it, it starts to become a problem, la la, whatever. Yeah. But my perception of an event is interesting to people who are interested in my perception of an event. They don't want to hear necessarily what the event was. They can watch that on the news or they can watch that or read that or whatever. But what, when they want to hear your story, when they want to hear you tell a story, they want to hear, how do you perceive that? How do you experience that event? And through that, I can open up my potential experience because, you know, if some, like if a car accident happens, and you're sitting on one side of the street and I'm sitting on the other and someone's in the car. We all have different experiences of yeah. the exact same event. So it isn't just, there was a car accident. Yeah. You know, there was a car accident from my perception, your perception, the person who's in it and everyone else who's involved. And there's a perception of the listener listening to everyone. So it gets multiplied. Yeah. And life's kind of wild that way. But the thing is, is that's the infinite part of it, right? Yeah. If it's just fact-based and plot-based, life is very small and limited, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we need it's that. It's very ex- dull. We need that expansiveness of story because story and perception and character opens up the infinite, mm-hmm. which makes life exciting. And yeah. It opens up to a whole different experience of, of life. Yes. Right. Um, I was going to say just like to, in, in terms of perception, like one of the, you know, the next time you go out and you, and you watch a comedian, which if you haven't gone out to see standup comedy in a long time, I know I don't go to see standup comedy nearly enough. Cause every single time I go, I'm always just like, why don't I do this more often? <laughs> Cause it's so great. Yeah. But I mean, standup comedy is like, is, is complete perception. Like that's what a person pretty much is doing. They're standing up there and they're talk and they're just talking about perceptions of things, their perceptions of things or sometimes an altered perception of something. And what we do is we sit there and we go, Oh, I've never had that perception of that thing. Or I've totally have that perception of things. And we just, and we, and we think it's freaking hilarious. Yeah. Usually not always, but, <laughs> well, but that's I mean, that's we really, that's comedian. all it is. We pay a comedian so much, um, or give them so much accolade because they share when they do it well, they share a genuine, authentic experience. And yeah. we can all, the thing is, is that I think the connectedness is we all see the truth in it, 
but the individualism is that they experienced it in a way we never thought to experience it. Yeah. You know, and, and so really great comedians who are very genuine and authentic give you something and you go, ha ha, that's so true. But at the same time, you never thought of it. And that's the kind of yeah. gift they give you is they're giving you their experience of it and, and their story of it. And then you end up sometimes learning something out of it because they made you laugh. Right. They always say one of the best ways, like, um, in, in story, I, I learned this in an acting class, but it works for, I think, writing as well. It's just like, you want to get your audience to connect to you, make them laugh. You want them to connect to you as like an actor, or if you want as a writer for people to connect to what's, what's happening, make them laugh. Mm. And, and we'll, we'll be on board for almost anything else that happens. Right? Well, in a sense of humor or being funny is, is a lot to do with your perception of an event. Like, um, Seinfeld would do this. He's classic. He would yeah. be like, why do people ride buses? You know, and he was, like, was that like a Christopher Walken sign? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, I don't know. Why, do, pe- why What's do people the deal ride with buses? <laughs> you know, but so you know. Anyway, and he, he, I remember he did this one bit on old age homes. He's like, why are these like? Why, why are the fences about like, are they worried old people are running away? And he's like talking about the water and he's like, he's talking about how the water is like, you can't turn it on and just leave it on. He's like, what are people doing? Are they like turning it on and then just running out and being, ah, I left the water on like, you know, so, but he takes something that's, yeah. that seems so mundane and normal, but yeah. he makes it funny because he, he alters the perception of it. And he kind of gives you an experience yeah. of something that you might not normally laugh at. Yeah. But he went in and did the work to make a story out of old people in an old age home and make that funny. Yeah. When in most cases, if we didn't have a sense of humor, I mean, how dull would life be? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if that doesn't prove our point right now, then I don't and know. And we all know that person <laughs> who has no sense of humor and oh, it's yeah. like, Oh, don't invite them. Danny, <laughs> Danny or Debbie Downer. Danny or Debbie Downer. <laughs> Nothing's funny. They can't laugh about anything. Uh, and well, and you know what, to, to, to Danny or Debbie Downer's, um, tribute, they'll tell a story that's like, you know, life's so hard. It rained today. I stubbed my toe when I left, yeah. you know, and like, I was late for work and my boss is just an asshole. And like, you're just like, shut up, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like and everybody take, laughs, you know, but there's something funny about the way they perceive the world. Yeah. You know? Like, I mean, even, only they can't see it. Even the, maybe they, they can. Yeah. They might not be able to, but, but we kind of mock the Debbie Downer, the Danny Downer, uh, character, but it's a character that a lot of people can relate to. And they've seen that character, the person who yeah. always comes in and always has something to sulk about. And in a way that's what you can expect from them, you know? Yeah. And so you might not, you might not love their storytelling. You, you might not prefer it. Some people maybe love it, but the thing is, is that it's a certain way to experience the world. Yeah. You know, and that's, and I'm not saying that that's how we should go about experiencing, but it's so interesting that we even people, people have coined the term Debbie Downer. Danny yeah. Downer. Like people have coined these terms of yeah. caricatures of people yeah. who do life a certain And Saturday Night Live even had a sketch yeah. called Debbie Downer, right. which is one of the funniest sketches I think <laughs> I've ever seen them do. Oh really? Well, just because they were, because everybody was laughing so hard. If you can find the first one, I know it's like, it's, it can be tough depending on where you are in the world to find SNL sketches like on YouTube and stuff. But if you can find the SNL sketch of the very first Debbie Downer sketch. Um, and Lindsay Lohan was actually on that episode. Okay. And that, this is all I like the, um, 
uh, Jimmy Fallon was still on the show at that time. And, but it was like, everybody was laughing so hard, like that they barely got through the sketch, <laughs> like, because it was so funny. Her character, when she was coming out with the most like down and depressing shit while they're at Disneyland, that's right. the whole thing. Everyone's at Disneyland having a great time. She's just like <laughs> shitting on everything. <laughs> and it's just like, and they just could and, and Rachel Dratch, it, who, if you can, if you know who Rachel Dratch is on the show, um, she's kind of an, an unusual looking woman. Yeah. Um, but she was perfect for it. And she was just like coming out with like all of this shit saying <laughs> these things. And like, she was, she couldn't even keep a straight face at one point. She's like, I can't do this. <laughs> she's just laughing through it. But that's part of the whole thing, right? It's just like how we can laugh about what she was saying, which is horrible. Yeah. All the things she's saying are just like, it was like they tried to go as like dark and as terrible as they could possibly go. Yeah. And it just became so funny. This is, I mean, this is the thing, you know, is that with sense of humor is such a, such a great skill to build in life. And really it is an awareness of the ridiculous. It's an awareness of the you know, the absurd, the absurd. Right. And, and, you know, not everyone has learned a sense of humor. I mean, I think some people, um, it, it always surprised me when I come across someone who, who totally lacks a sense of humor. I just find that baffling to me mm-hmm. a little bit, but it is a skill we build in life and it's, it's, it can be a great survival skill. I mean, you oh, can yeah. go through the hardest period in your life, but if you can laugh at it, like I've gone through periods in my life where messed up shit has happened. In fact, right now, I mean, you know, the events, I'm not going to talk about it, but some fucked up shit has happened recently. And I just like, like, there's part of me that's like, Oh my God, my heart sinking. And another moment I'm like, this is crazy. (laughs) This is so ridiculous. You know what I mean? And if I didn't have that sense of absurdity about the whole event, you know, it could just be a very blue emotional kind of thing, you know? And I think that, you know, um, I think it, it's, it, it's an interesting topic we're talking about because we're kind of just giving a crack, uh, into the window or opening the door a little bit towards you can begin to uh, tell a story and experience your life and, and look at the context of your life in a different way to experience yourself and your life differently. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, most life coaches that I know, that's usually their main tool It's like, mm-hmm. how do I help you perceive your life a little bit differently? so that you can, you can experience and do it in a way mm-hmm. that actually assists you as to the, the one you're doing, which is hurting you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because it's like, we, we kind of started this episode talking about podcasting in and of itself Yeah. and doing the podcast and how our podcast sort of goes like in terms of time. That's right. See, this is, this is what I always, this is what I love about doing this podcast right here is because it started off as us just talking about doing the podcast and how long it's going to run. And it spins off into this whole thing. Um, and we aren't the entire side of the experience and the coin of everything because we don't necessarily have a bunch of points, which was part of one of the points we made at the start is we, we don't have a lot of things set up though. Some people do like, uh, a guy's podcast who I really enjoy is, is, uh, Rob Bell and he does great stuff on just sort of like life and 
going through life and, and, you know, having sort of a spiritual life type of thing. And he, he, his podcasts usually go for like half an hour to 40 minutes. It's just him, but they're very focused. But he also comes, he came from a background where he, where he used to be, um, like a pastor. He used to speak. So he would have, have to prepare sermons and stuff in a way. And you can sort of see that in how he does podcasts is like, he prepares his podcasts, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, this is what we're going to talk about. And you can tell he's kind of thought some things out beforehand. And I really like that because he, he's able to, to move through it and, and share some, some things about it. And there's a, a great value out of that. We don't necessarily do that so much. We, like you said, like we kind of just dive in and explore it and weave our way through because there's a value in that as well, instead of just kind of shooting everything out. Totally. Just like, just like, okay, this point, this point, this point, this point, because part of, I think, and for me, this is how I experienced a lot of the creative process, you know, outside of doing this podcast is that so much of what happens is a complete accident. Mm. And whenever I try to, um, plan anything too much, I end up a lot of times it, it kind of starts to die a little bit, you know, like it loses some of its fire and its momentum. So with this part of what I enjoy is that it's like, well, we don't really know where we're going. We just have to really pay attention to the conversation and where it's going. And we accidentally kind of stumble into some stuff. And in that way, I almost have an experience of some of the things that we, we, we uncover. Mm -hmm. Right. And I go, Oh my God, that's like shifted something for me, but it only shifted something because there was that context that we had around it. And there was this buildup that went into it as we explored it, as opposed to just being like, I think this might be true. Or I think <laughs> not to say that I think that everything we say on, on this podcast is true. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we, we continually, uh, unravel a little bit more. We start to figure out a little bit more about different subjects because we keep encountering similar things, you know, as we go on, it's just like, Oh, this thing's popping up again. This thing's popping up again. Uh, it's really interesting. And, and in many ways it's, see, now this has got me on another train of thought here. I just recently watched this Ted talk, um, called the scientific method is dead or something like that, or what's wrong with the scientific method. And it's a guy who's like a theoretical physicist or some, something like that. And I thought it was amazing because he, he was talking about how it's like, here's the traditional structure of the scientific method. Here's what I think is wrong with it because it's not really actually what scientists do. Right. And he gives, and so he has this whole new thing, which he, he, I think is trying to get kind of to become the new scientific method that people understand. Right. Right. On a more commonplace level, just because he's like, so many people don't understand what science actually is. Right. And his whole thing was what I loved about it was like, okay, it's like the, the thing is that we're actually, it's like, you can never necessarily prove that anything is right, but you can prove that things are wrong and you can prove that something isn't wrong yet. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, so for him, he's like, it's a con like science, no matter what field is, it's a constant thing. 
Right. It's an ever evolving, moving sh- thing. It's never, yeah, we've solved it. This is what it is. It's figured out. Everything is changing. Such an important Constantly. point. And yeah. I was like, wow, this guy is so awesome because I've never thought of necessarily of science like that before. I very much thought of science as being this very formal, rigid thing, mm-hmm. as opposed to it's just like, no, like we keep working it and working it and working it and trying it from all different angles, discovering things aren't quite how we thought it was, you know, when we had found these things here. Right. right? And now we found it's kind of a little bit more like this. And then they keep working with that and you keep uncovering more and more and more. Right. And you get closer and closer to something that's a little more true, a little more true, a little more true, but it's never the truth. Hmm. That's great. I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because I also think that right now we live in a time where people go, well, it's science. So science knows. And so everything else is bullshit and science doesn't know, but science knows what it doesn't know. And so to, to, to certain degrees, we kind of, we, you know, it's like trying to solve how to create something. We are taught incorrectly because we believe the value is solving the problem most of life is solving what it isn't before it ever is what it is. If we looked at life more like, okay, well, I figured out that doesn't work. I figured out that doesn't work. I figured out this doesn't work. If we looked at life like that was successes, oh, this doesn't work. That doesn't work. This doesn't work. If we, if we did life more that way, as opposed to like, it didn't work. So I failed then, you know, and we looked at, we kind of have this thing about failure being a bad thing and all that. Right if we looked at failure as a good thing, like failure, like, Oh, I did something and it didn't work where I, I went about things this way, or I looked at things this way and it wasn't, it wasn't the correct way. It was, it didn't work. If we looked at that as a success, you know, we would basically build the most important skill, which is the, we would, we would find excitement out of persistency, which is basically like persistency is simply it's not working. 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 God, it's not working. God damn it. It's not working. It works. And then you're like, Oh, but if you celebrated all the not working as opposed to just that it worked, but all we do is celebrate that it worked. Yeah. We would enjoy life so much more if we celebrated all those, it's not workings as opposed to the one it worked. I mean, if you think about it, really the it worked was it's over. Like, mm-hmm. so James Dean, who's a, you know, obviously very famous actor. He used to go through a kind of, um, postpartum depression after he would do a movie, mm. he would be really de- down and depressed because it would be over. And he yeah. really enjoyed the process of making movies. Apparently that's how, how he experienced it. Mm. I think that's an incredible thing that he loved to do the movie that for him, it wasn't about finishing it. But yeah. I think like, you know, that's what made him a little bit special is because he did life from an experience thing of I'm doing it. 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 Oh God, it's almost over, but I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. It's over. Yeah. But we do things like I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Okay. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I did it. (laughs) Yeah. Which is fucked up, you know? And, And we keep trying to chase a completion, but then once it's done, it's over. Yeah. But we, we, you know, and so, um, that's two perceptions, two stories about mm-hmm. the same event. 
you know? And like, what, what do you, you know, so you've got to ask yourself, like, say for the actors out there who are just trying to complete it and get the next job so they can put that on their resume. Well, Mm -hmm. your job now becomes about getting credits for your resume. It isn't about acting. If it's about acting, then you want to do acting. You don't want to be done with acting. You want to do acting. So it's a different way of looking at it. That's yeah, that's absolutely, you know, you bring up an amazing point because I have heard so many actors talk like that. And if you're an actor out there, like don't get sucked up into that thing. Like the whole, like that, that resume shit, like, yeah, it's practical stuff, whatever. It's very uninteresting. It's very uninteresting and it's not going to help you in your work at all. But I've heard so many actors, I've even looked at it that way. It's just like, Oh, I'm doing like this independent or I'm doing this student thing, something to build my resume. And you're like, is that how you're looking at it? This is just something to build your resume. Why the fuck are you even doing it? Yeah. You want to build a resume? Go do something else. Yeah. This isn't about building a resume. This is about the experience of life that you're having. Yeah. You know, like the the thing on your resume is just a testament to what you are doing. You know, like it's like, that's all it is. It's the cliff notes to your fucking work that you're supposed to love. Right. It's, it's great. I love how it ties back in your <laughs> resume, full circle, your man. Resume, your cliff notes. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, and I think that's the thing. That's the way you do meaningful work. That's the way you have a career that really matters to you because you do the stuff that you set out to do and not because you can tell everyone else what you did, but you experience doing it, you know? And, um, and I think that, you know, it's very, I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to make anybody wrong. Who's gone down the road and they're, you know, uh, pursuing the resume thing. Just, just, just stop doing it. You got yeah. caught up in the hamster wheel. You got caught up in the rat race. It's of, an easy temptation. You, you turned your art into something that became a rat race. Just do your art right now. Go to class and love being in class. Mm-hmm. Go to your auditions, love doing auditions, go on set, love being on set you know what? If you do that, I would be willing to bet that your entire career will change because you'll begin to experience it and people will see you experiencing it. And because you're really doing it, they'll be like, there's something there. And they call that that it factor. But I think that it factor has a lot to do with the fact that you do life. You don't try to talk about how you got life done. There's a saying, they say, if you're good, you'll tell people. If you're great, people will tell you. Mm. And I think, Oh, I like that. I think that's kind of what this is like. You know, when you're doing the only way to be great at anything is to really do it. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you, and to really enjoy it. Yeah. People who tell you how good they are, they're like, I did this on my resume. I booked this role. I did that. I mean, I want to make you wrong, but like most of the time, nobody cares to be honest. They're like, Oh, you got it. Like they're really just thinking about themselves most of the time. I I think that's my experience of how all this goes. But when someone says, you know, that role you did where you did this, or you played that character, that was really cool. When they start telling you what you did and they notice that, then you know, you're doing something right. So yeah. if they're not, don't take it personally. Like you're doing something like you're wrong, just do life. And you'll start to see that when you're really doing it, people will notice you're really yeah. doing it. And I was going to say like, not just in it, like, will it change your career? It will change your life it in will. terms of I think the, the amount of joy that you experience when it doesn't become just about the rat race, it becomes about the thing that you're doing because for the, 
you just love doing it. I, I mean, there's so many stories, especially within acting, I think because it, it presents a very, um, a, a bit more of a, an immediate and dramatic effect. Um, just because due to the nature of how the business kind of works, but I've heard so many stories from like, from actors who are just like, you know, nothing was happening for me and I was getting frustrated and you know what, then I just kind of said, fuck it. Or something else happened in their life. I heard, I remember hearing one actor talking about how, um, they had just gotten engaged or something and they were so happy and they had this audition. They're like, okay, great. You know, whatever. Right. Like it was just like, they were so happy already. Like they didn't. And so they went in, they like, they'd done their work and everything, but they just like, there wasn't anything on it. They'd gone in, just had fun, really fucking enjoyed themselves, just did their work for the sheer enjoyment of doing it. And they booked the part and it was their breakout role. You know, because, and there's so many stories that are like that. And it's just because like, yeah, you do it for the enjoyment, but like when you're carrying around the whole thing, it's like, Oh, I got to get this. I've got to get somewhere and blah, 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 blah. I even know for myself, I've had my biggest successes in the audition room and, and booking work was when I was enjoying the work that I was doing. Right. Is when I was enjoying acting as opposed to like, I've got to get this. Yeah, of course you want to get it. That's a given. You don't need to worry about the fact that you want the part. Right. (laughs) You know, like that's a weird thing is worrying about getting the part. It's like, you don't need to. No. You're already worried enough. (laughs) Yeah. You don't (laughs) need to add that. Like you don't need to concentrate on it. Right. Like focus on why the fuck you even like doing this shit in the first place. You know what? I love, I love that and where you've kind of ended it because I feel like it's time that's the thing. That's the thing with Man, the short podcast. This was, this Boom, was it blew by. Heat. Right? And I feel like White there's, hot st- there's still so much more to say on this topic yeah. and we will continue it another day, but I'm going to mention the beer. We'll wrap this oh, baby right. up and, uh, and we'll call it a day. And if you guys like this podcast, start listening to some others and, uh, you know, let us know what you think, but maybe this is a good warm up for you if you haven't listened to the podcast before. And, uh, it was fun for us. I still feel like we got another 45 minutes to go, Yeah, but we got to cut it. We have things to do. Life is life. So here, let me tell, tell me, what do you think of the beer? Man, this is great. This is exactly what I needed for the end of this day. <laughs> um, That's it good. is refreshing. It is easy to drink. I'm going to say like, it's kind of got, you know, it's a light beer. I can see that mm-hmm. clearly. I'm going to say this is like a, this is like a blonde or something. Okay. I'm going to go blonde on this one. All right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weedy, but I'm also like, uh, there's kind of this other thing going on with it. Maybe it's Saison, but I'm going to go blonde. Okay. It's tasty beer. You're enjoying it. It's refreshing. So this is a yellow dog and it is a wheat beer. Okay. Wheat beer. Um, it's called take a walk and they always do something like kind of like wag the tail. Based on the dog thing. thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's, um, you can finish that off. Um, so yeah. So it's oh, I plan uh, on it. <laughs> from yellow dog who's in Port Moody. And we've, we've enjoyed a few beers with them. Um, I always love their marketing that they do with their, yeah, they've got great branding with their beers, you know? Yeah. Um, so something know, to be said for great branding. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it's not, it's not a, it's only a 4.8%, I guess for Canadian standards, that's a little lower than normal for American. I guess it's a little higher than normal. I think that that's like an old stigma now. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that's an old thing because well, I've, I've, I've 
on my ventures into American beers, I'm like, these aren't really any weaker than Canadian beers. So yeah, well, I don't know. It is what it is. I mean, we've been enjoying the craft brew and uh, we've done some American beers and we're doing more yeah. and more all the time. But, uh, today was a, a nice, um, local Canadian one. Uh, anyway, um, so let's wrap it up. Um, yeah. just in a few minutes here, what are you gonna take away from this for the time, Dan? Oh man. Uh, feels like the pressure is on. Um, I don't, I don't know what my takeaway, this is like, I feel, I feel so panicked all of a sudden. Well, let me, I'm, let me, cause I've started, let me wrap it up. What I'm going to, what I'm going to take away from this, what I'm going to take away from this is I'm going to look at the things that I do in my life on a regular basis or the things that I want to do. And what I've really kind of what's resonated with me. And I, I might've kind of pointed the point out, but I'm realizing that I'm going to look at my life and reassess how I'm doing my life and really mm do my life and be in my life as I do it. Not worry so much about getting the result, finishing, wrapping it up, getting wherever I think I need to go. But I'm, I'm going to take away from this, the practice of being present and doing life. And even if it's not working out, I'm going to look at the experience of doing life Mm -hmm. because I'm realizing now that there's probably some things that I'm still caught in that old model of, Oh, I need to get somewhere. So I do believe, and I have seen in myself when I'm just doing, I always get where I want to go anyway. Yeah. So like, why worry about that? I always know where I want to go. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do. All right. Yeah. You know what? Mine's kind of similar because I, I'm going to go back to the whole conversation or the talk that we had about like the cliff notes and, uh, yeah, it's just like, I'm not, uh, I'm going to catch myself. Um, when I'm, when I'm living my life by cliff notes, and about getting somewhere, just getting the function. And just, because what's the fun in that? Really, what's the fun in that? You know, the, I think that's my biggest realization in all, because I, I've catch myself doing that. It's like, you know, cut to the chase, just get it to, it's like, well, why cut that? That's a film term. Why cut the chase if there's no context to it? I agree. You know, and we're wrapping it up, Evan. Boom. Boom. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.